Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live with no regret skis. Live with no regret skis. Alrighty then. Welcome in, welcome back. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. And it sucks when a Stanley Cup winning goaltender and arguably the best goaltender in Blackhawks history is given a contract offer, says no, there's no negotiation. And now Corey Crawford is a New Jersey devil. And three guys of questionable NHL ability will battle it out for a team that should be focused on winning the Stanley Cup. I don't know if that's the case. Let's ask our next guest. Jay Zawoski joins us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Jay, the Corey Crawford decision, what does it mean? Where does it go? And and what do you think what do you think was at the source of this? Money or simply a chance to <clears throat> re-rack everything and be a rebuilding kind of team? I think it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, you know, how much money do you want to invest in a 36-year-old goaltender who has had a, injury, a history of injuries, um, you know, when you know you're not a contending team? If they brought Corey Crawford back, they'd have very little money to bring in anyone else. So, you know, I talked about this on the Madhouse podcast sort of all offseason. The best-case scenario for the Hawks is to bring back the same team they had last year with Strom and Kubelik and Crawford and Kajula and Cuckoo. And that's a lot of K sounds, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's just, what does that get you, right? What does that really accomplish? So I thought it was interesting. When Sam Bowman announced that Corey Crawford wasn't coming back, for the first time we heard him using rebuild language. Mm-hmm. You know, we have young players that need to play. We have young guys who have earned the opportunity for a look. And I don't know if I believe in Kevin Lankin and Malcolm Subban or Callan Delia. I haven't seen a big enough sample size of any of those guys to tell you if they're NHL starters, NHL backups, career AHL guys. I don't know. But I will tell you this. I'm on board for a youth movement. I just have to see it sort of play out that way for the remainder of the offseason. If Stan Bowman's going to say, yeah, 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 we're going young, we're giving these young guys a chance, and Ian Mitchell's going to play some defense, and Wyatt Kelnick is probably going to go look at defense too, and they've got some other prospects they like. If those guys are actually on the opening day roster, okay, rebuild underway. But if they go sign you know, a 30-year-old journeyman defenseman just to solidify the blue line, that doesn't really indicate any sort of rebuild to me. So 
it's sort of hard to say at, at this point what the plan is, but if, if the plan is sort of rebuild on the fly and actually do it, I'm on board for that. Right. So people will have to detach from the emotional part of losing Corey Crawford and legacy and all of that while understanding that this might be the best thing for the team. Do you expect, based on that, if that's the direction that they're going, that there would be any other dramatic moves, whether a trade of another core player or whatever the case may be, anything else dramatic in the name of a potential rebuild or however you want to phrase it? It wouldn't shock me to see uh, someone like Brandon Saad or Calvin DeHaan uh, maybe even someone like Connor Murphy, who is, you know, uh, they're in their prime right now. Those are the kind of guys that can go help a team win. Maybe those three guys in particular have more value at the trade deadline. If the Hawks play and they're not a playoff team, as we sort of expect, teams are going to be looking to load up. Teams get desperate at the trade deadline and give up a lot, maybe a lot more than they would give in the offseason, especially considering the draft has already passed. If they were thinking about moving some of those guys, maybe doing so at the draft made sense. But now – they're in a position where they can sort of start this season with as they're currently constructed. Um, and look, you've got Brent Seabrook coming back. It looks like Andrew Shaw is going to come back. Um, Pia Suter is a guy they signed from Europe this offseason who's very much in the mold of Dominic Kubelik. So you have another guy come in, another European import come in and contribute. So they're not a terrible team on paper. Um, so you can sort of see how the season goes. I don't think you have to just because you didn't re-sign Corey Crawford, I don't think it means you have to pull the ripcord on the entire thing right now. Mm-hmm. But let's sort of see how these young guys develop. You know, if, if Kirby Doc turns into a 30-goal scorer next year, then the conversation changes, right? If, if the guy I mentioned, Suter, comes in and is a 20-30 to 30 guy, the conversation changes. If Andrew Shaw is healthy, the conversation changes. So it's, I think right now what they should do, and I know the temptation, I know as a, as a Hawks observer and as a, someone who roots for the Hawks, I like free agency. I want them to bring in new new names and new players are exciting. I like that. But it's probably not the wisest thing to do at this point Just because what does it accomplish? It gets you a little bit closer to a playoff spot that you're probably going to miss anyway? No. Let these kids play. Let the season play out. And if you get some uh, ahead-of-schedule development, then you react accordingly. And if things sort of go as you planned, then you've got some really nice pieces you can move at the deadline. Our guest is Jay Zawoski. He is, does many things at the score. He also does many things elsewhere. One is co-hosting the Madhouse podcast uh, about the Blackhawks and hockey with James Naveau. And he co-hosts, co-founds the I'm Fat podcast with our producer at the moment, Rick Camp. And I will have a question for the I'm Fat podcast <laughs> at the end of this segment. Jay also wrote a book, The Big 50, about the Blackhawks' 50 greatest players. Was Corey Crawford in that book, Jay? Oh yeah, there's a there's a there's a chapter on Corey Crawford in there. Um, just to clarify, it's not just players; it's like the men in moments. So it's yeah, you know, oh. there's one on Crawford, there's one on the Winter Classic, there's one on 17 Seconds, there's one on Marion Hosa. You know, so it's kind of what I liked about that was it gave me the freedom to sort uh-huh. of pick the 50 topics I wanted to cover um, instead of just sort of ranking like these are the 50 best players. That's been done a million times. So I like the freedom that Triumph Books gave me to sort of write. Uh, how I felt and what I wanted to. Uh, by the way, if you'd like a signed advance copy, uh, you can head to my Twitter account, at jayzawoski670. Check out that pinned tweet, and there's a link there. You can order right through me. Picked up Dude, two more get, pieces I, of the book I, yesterday. 
I, you know, I always wonder this about when people when people write books, especially like yourself. And I heard that you were selling them left and right. Jay, are you going to get rich off of this, man? Are you going to get that bleep you money from this or what? <laughs> I, uh, no. <laughs> I just, no. I don't think so. I, I, no. I have I have turned. What I have done though is I've converted my basement office slash studio into a mail room, which is a lot of fun. I've got mailers everywhere. I've got uh, mail scales and all sorts of things. So. That's, that's been awesome. my, my new part-time job is, is shipping. Um, but, hey, that's good news. <laughs> I mean, people are interested in the book. <laughs> exactly. But I've sold right. uh, four and a half cases of books already, and I've got that's uh, awesome, four dude. orders I need to fill this weekend. So, And that's just people buying directly from me. Not, it doesn't count the pre-orders that people have placed already and all those sort of things. So it's going very well. I don't know how long I can suspect this sort of success to, success to sustain, but I'll take what I can get. Good for you. I recommend yeah. it. There's, there are very few people who are as passionate about the Blackhawks and writing about them and, as Jay, and I would encourage everyone to read. I've read part of this, and I recommend it for yes, everyone. Yes, you did. I, well, let me I do have a question. Hang on. I, um, I don't know if I would have been able to do this book, Steve, without your help, and I know you're not the sentimental type, um, but oh, your guidance crap, in the Jay. first few chapters. Oh, stop it. You're, you, you were very helpful in the first few chapters where I would write them and say, Dear Steve, does this suck? Love, Jay. And you would give me some feedback. Like, this sort of sucks. This really sucks. This sucks a little less than this part sucks, but it still sucks. Um, but it was very helpful, and you are acknowledged in the book uh, way I, in the back. I, 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 I prefer to be way in the back. You know, I, the, the heckler always sits in the last row. Happy to do that. Happy to help you. I thought it was a terrific project, and I thought you were the right guy with your passion to do it. I was very happy for you, and I knew it was, all the stuff was there. I just had to be organized. It was cut and paste more than anything else. I, I'm looking forward right. to reading in its entirety. Um, I, I want to get back to Crawford because this traces back to the coach and the general manager, who might be bulletproof because there's no money, because there's no revenue, but Jeremy Colleton can't coach in the NHL. Corey Crawford and Robin Lehner saved them like a half a goal a game. He gave them every chance to win games. They still were in last place when everything ended. And the idea that Jeremy Colleton is going to coach a rebuild when he can't communicate a defensive system, he advocates a defensive system he can't teach or get his players to play or get his players to understand or execute, and it kills the goalies, and only superhuman effort by the goalie kept it somewhat reasonable. How do you make this work? I know you're on board with a, re with a rebuild, but how do you make this work with this coach who's not shown that he can coach? Well, that's the thing is we are, what, uh, almost two years, if you kind of total everything, into Jeremy Collins' coaching tenure, and I, I don't know if he's a good coach or not. Part of that is – and we got to be fair when evaluating, right? Like part of it is they've had a lot of injuries uh, to some key players. They've had um, weird seasons. Um, they have some veterans that are not fully on board and feel entitled to sort of rebel against the system. Um, you know, so that's a factor as well. Where and look, that's that's a criticism that I have of Stan Bowman is you need to know your you need to know the guys you're not going to be able to move. And if you're bringing in a coach that's younger than them and less accomplished than them how can you expect them to listen to what he has to say, right? That was sort of a, look, I, I think Jeremy Cowton might be a good coach someday. I don't know if he can be a good coach with this core of players. That's sort of the question that remains for me. But the bigger thing is, John McDonough has been fired since April. 
you had a pandemic to figure out your new team president, to figure out the direction of the franchise. And look, they can go ahead and rebuild. They can talk about, well, you know what, we're going to let these young goalies play and let these young players play. That's all fine and good. But four days ago, they were talking to Matt Murray about a trade and contract extension for him to be the new Blackhawks goalie. So this hasn't been a long-time decision to rebuild. It was either we can find a goalie or we can't. And so is, is the ability to find a goalie what's judging your path going forward? That does not seem like a ship with much direction to me, right? That it's sort of like are they just sort of deciding on the fly what to do if you had a team president, especially one who was hockey-centered, you know, to bring in like a czar of hockey, which is what I hope they would do. You could have him already have his new GM in there, already have the new plan in there, and you also would have someone in charge of hockey that is not romantic about these guys that want Stanley Cups here. And I think that that could be a big part of the problem is, uh, you know, we can't turn our back on these guys. They, they, they want us these cups. Well, mm-hmm. now that John McDonough is gone, maybe they're a little, they feel that way a little bit less, but I just, it's just so hard every day. I feel like the direction changes. Like, would it surprise you today if they went and signed you know, some 30-year-old defenseman for $3 million just to make the defense just a little bit better, that wouldn't shock me. Or if they trade for goalie within the next week or two, that wouldn't shock me. Like, I just I want a definitive plan, and I feel like without a team president sort of telling them what the plan is, are they just sort of you know, making it stick with, with, gums, with gum and nuts? I really don't know. I don't know. It's, just, it's very hard for me to see the way out of this. What is the plan? If it's the same roster with Delia Lankinen or Subban and Nett, all you're doing is guaranteeing yourself a bad team. That's all you're doing. Yeah. yeah and, if, if you're actually going to rebuild, then start moving some pieces into it. And in the, in the midst of, of all this, there there was a draft. The, the Blackhawks, you know, went out and drafted some players, including a goalie in Drew Camesso, the kid out of Massachusetts. And I realize he's a couple of years away but I don't know how that played into things. What did you think about that draft pick and Lucas Reichel, the, the left winger they took with number 17 overall? Uh, Reichel, to me, seems like kind of a, a safe pick. It's not going to be the most exciting kind of a guy. He's not going to be a 40-50 goal guy, but he could be maybe a Brandon Saad type who can come in, play all into the ice. Uh, every scouting report, every person I've seen talk about him has talked about his hockey IQ. Uh, which is great. To have smart hockey players is a good thing, and I think it's something that we've seen sort of the opposite of where the Blackhawks traded for Alex Nylander last year, who is full of talent but doesn't seem to get how the game works or get what he has to do to be successful. Um, To bring in some more intelligent two-way type guys is needed, and hopefully he pans out to be a top-six guy. As far as the goaltender goes, uh, we knew they were going to take at least one in the draft. They did. They took who a lot of people thought was the second-best goalie in the draft. I guess they did try to trade up for Askarov, the Russian goalie who went to Nashville, uh, but no one was willing to trade out. And uh, I, I could see being mad about that if, if other teams had traded up, but no other teams traded up during the draft. The teams that picked before the Hawks were happy with their place and didn't want to trade out. Um, so they went and got the second-best goalie available. You're, but, Mark, you're right. You're talking about three, four years down the road before you can yeah. start talking about any – at really any goalie, even if it was Askarov, he's probably two or three years away from the NHL himself. So when you get these more middling goaltending prospects, they're all sort of a shot in the dark. Um, but you're 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 years away from that. So you've got Subban for two more years um, that can sort of maybe bridge you and see where you stand uh, at that point. 
Our guest is Jay Zawoski. He uh, does many things, and I want to call into the as co-founder of the I'm Fat podcast and with the other member of the I'm Fat podcast uh, on the other side of the glass, metaphorically, Rick Camp. I need both of you to comment on this. It was an item I had originally earmarked for what are you doing, Wagner, later in the show, but I think it seems appropriate to bring this up now. He is the closer for the A's. He's one of... He was one of three Australians on the Gulf Coast League team for the Twins in 2007. So he's in America for the first time, and the Aussies decided they would check out Outback Steakhouse. This is according to Annie McCullough oh. in The Athletic. So they go, to the, they go to the Outback Steakhouse, and here is his quote. We were just sitting there looking at the menu, being like, what the hell's a bloomin' onion? Like, what the <laughs> hell is that? I mean, it's delicious, but what is it? A bloomin' onion. <laughs> so this is. Are you telling me this... that Outback Steakhouse is not authentic? Uh, <laughs> well, there's two things that we don't care about authenticity, but I wanted uh... he. The Aussie does not know. He's never heard of this, but he thinks it's delicious. So can you give us your scouting report or your conclusion? Whatever you might have discussed in some um, in some podcast about the – I don't know if the Bloomin' Onion came up. If it did, I'm sorry I missed it. I'll have to go back and do my homework. But share with the, our, our audience your thoughts on the Bloomin' Onion. I'm going to defer to Rick Camp on this one because I know Rick. And to Rick, the the Bloomin' Onion is like a 40-ounce steak. That is that is among his favorite food <laughs> on, on the planet. So I'm going to let Rick wax poetic about the – I love it because it's something fried. Um, but Rick has romantic feelings about the Bloomin' Onion. So I'll, I'll let him – I'll let him paint you a picture. Yeah, pretty much any, any form of fried onion I'm here for. Because, like, grilled onion I'm generally not here for because of the texture. The taste is good. Texture, not so much. But – Man, any sort of solid fried onion. The Bloomin' Onion is a fantastic example, but it's really any fried onion I'm just here for. And the Bloomin' Onion, with it being you know easy to pull apart, Jay and I always talk about how keeping our hands clean is something that we value probably more than most. So the Bloomin' Onion lends itself to that, which I always appreciate. But it's just a real solid item, especially if you have, you know... For normal people, for all the normies and, you know, your your back-end fats out there. Like, uh, for a three- to four-person table, it's probably good. For if Jay and I were out, we'd probably split it between us and then maybe get a second appetizer as well because, of course. But it really yeah. is just a top-notch item. What about the, well, the dipping about sauce that goes with it? The dipping sauce. You didn't even mention the, the sauce, or is that just extra? I don't bother well, with I'm the sauce. I'm out because it's mail-based. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. mail-based, so I'm out. Um, but Rick, I'm, we forgot to. The best part about the blooming onion is it's healthy because it's a vegetable. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. That's why I brought it. I got a question though. I and I was really. I you sort of answered it, but I want to. I need to confirm this. Rick, you would actually share a blooming onion. You wouldn't just. It's one for one. And you wouldn't keep that to yourself. You would share it. I mean, for social norms' sake, sure. Oh. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm willing to amend my thoughts and what I need for my appetite to get at least a few less odd looks while I'm out in public eating. Oh. Right. Okay. You have to conform. Yeah, you no, I understand. For yourself. 
Rick, I pulled the move last night where I, I went through the McDonald's drive-thru and I felt like my order was gluttonous. So I pretended to be on the phone with my wife to see what kind of sauce she wanted for the nuggets. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so, the, so the drive-thru people didn't, uh, didn't judge me. I'm like, give me the 20-piece spicy nuggets and a large uh, Coke. And, uh, and honey, what sauce did you want? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, and, and uh, the mighty dipping sauce, please. Yeah, yesterday yesterday, what I did was uh, on my way, on my way into work, I had gotten, I'd gotten, I don't remember if it was too much. Well, it was a normal amount for me. Let's put it that way. Uh And instead of throwing away the garbage in the parking garage where there could be people that saw me, what I did is even though I still had at least half a tank of gas, I went and topped off my tank so I could use their garbage can. (laughs) The, The life hacks you get here. Courtesy of the I'm Fat podcast, I just sign uh, up for it, subscribe to it. You have to hear it. I have loved this thing forever, and I I do need to in 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 um, in terms of full disclosure, the I'm Fat podcast sent me a shirt. There is merch. The I'm Fat podcast now has merch. There's a giant spud on the front of this with French fries in the back, and it says I'm Fat podcast, and I wore it for the first time last week. And I managed to get wine, dinner, and dessert on it. So right, I hope I did you guys proud. That's all I can say. Yeah, we left a lot, we left room on the shirt for stains. Yeah. Like we, you know, it's <laughs> we want it's it's more of like a it's more of a canvas for whatever art you can come up with. We just give you, you a nice go. little baseline of the logo. Yeah. yeah, but you can check out our uh, the I'm Fat Podcast T Public Shop. Um, you can link our the link to that store. Is on our uh, Twitter account, so it's we're at I'm Fat Pod, uh, but our T Public Shop has we've got the French fry logo, we've got our traditional I'm Fat Podcast logo, we've got the 0.0 Marathon uh, logo, and the Italian pizza box is the other style we went with. Uh, so yeah, we've got a lot of options on this on the store, and I think more coming soon as well. We got to get some new ideas. Keep you moving. You guys should product. create. You guys need to create the first stain resistant shirt. That would be something. I think it's the, better to have the stain attracting shirt. Like actually have gravitational <laughs> pull for any sort of food to go on there. Badge so of way, honor. We bought my brother-in-law a couple of Christmases ago. We bought my brother-in-law one of those, you know, those fancy like business shirts that they sell with stain resistant. So he unwraps it, and then all we did all night was we spent all night pouring stuff on the new shirt <laughs> to see if it was truly stain resistant. It's uh-huh. not one. It's not one hundred percent successful. I will. Just uh, okay. There, <laughs> all right. there all are right. certain items that will that will actually stain the same resistance shirt. Oh, so that was everything a, a is, bad gift in hindsight. Everything is an art installation. That's all I can say. And That's and it. you carry on. And thank you guys both for thanks for joining us, Jay. The book is the Big Fifty. The podcasts are Madhouse uh, Madhouse podcast and the I'm Fat podcast, and. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us, giving your thoughts on the Blackhawks and food, because that's the way it ought to be. That's what it's all about. And I don't know what if they, more we're, do going we need talk, life? we're going to talk to Rick about basketball later at some point. Um, and I know, Jay, you made a point of talking about the what you got. You guys talked about what you eat when you're stress eating regarding local teams. And I don't know if you were watching, say, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup against Dallas and having no real rooting interest. Do you guys, and now the Lakers are playing the Heat, so do you guys change foods for, is it not stress eating? Is it just sort of entertainment eating? Are those different categories for you guys? Um, for me, stress eating is salty. 
and when I'm just casually watching, it's sweet. So if it's a game I don't care about, it's usually Ben and Jerry's. Um, Rick talked about the Americone Dream on the last podcast, so I had to go buy some of that. Um, and then uh, the Milk and Cookies is my favorite. Oh, and me then, too. But when I'm stressed out, when I'm stressed out, my new go-to is the Uts. Uh, I don't. It's hot stuff or whatever it is. They're like hot, spicy potato chip. That's my that's my stress meal. So that's like Bears games. The other thing that's important too is if it's an isolated Bears game, so Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, you've got to go big and have a full buffet of appetizers before, during, and after the game because mm, nice. it's a special occasion. Any oh, isolated yeah. Bears game is a special occasion for special food. So keep that in mind. Yes. Yeah. Bears. Yeah. For me, stress eating is more finger foods, like more chips, pretzels. I guess similar to Jay, more like salty type stuff. But if it's more just entertainment, I'll go with just a traditional, I'll find a meal and I will have a meal that way, which mind you probably means ordering something in since, you know, I can't really cook unless it goes in a microwave or an air fryer. So it kind of limits my options some. (laughs) Go big and go home is Rick's Rick's thought. You can fry anything if you try hard enough, Rick. (laughs) It's going on my headstone. I'm sure he will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, guys, thank you. I'm so glad you joined right, us. Anytime. I'm so glad we did this. Thanks, Jay. Rick, you have to stay. You have, I'm sorry, but you have to stay. <laughs> How did I get this gig? I know, yeah, I know. My right. God. It's like you spent well, all that time. You, you had that nice little hiatus from the score, and now you're forced back on us. He just wanted to raise the stress eating level, so he came back to work this show. That's how it works. Jay, thanks for joining us. Good luck with the book. The book is the Big 50. You can order it. For, knock, on, knock on Jay's front door. He'll give you a book. And he'll sign it for you. And we went long on this. I knew we would, but it was worth it. We have not dealt with the with the Tech Zone. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. My emotional support oracle from the 847 reminds that it's decorative gourd season and then he uses initials for something we can't say on the radio. He's trying to get me fired. That does not sound like a proper move from an emotional support article. And the 920 wonders if Jesus Grody, do you ever have days off? Do you? Grody? I, I just realized I do not, and I am available for you. If you're out there listening, 312-644-6767. If I could help you, if I could work for you in any way, shape, or form, I'm available seven days a week. Um some, a 630 texter texts in just to, to underscore Liam Hendricks and, and what started this entire food talk. Having actually been to Australia on R&R in 1967, I can say unequivocally, unequivocally, there was no such menu item as a bloomin' onion in the bars, pubs, or dives. And from the 414, the only thing better than listening to the fats is doing so while I eat a spicy chicken sandwich from Culver's. The most underrated spicy chicken sandwich in the fast food game. Really? Really? Absolutely. Well, because like wow. Culver's has great quality of product, pretty much whatever uh-huh. it is. Just the spices they use on it is really, really good. So, yeah, if you have not gotten the spicy chicken sandwich from Culver's, because, you know, obviously they're known for the, for the butter burgers and, right. you know, during Lent, the fish, and people will go for that. But the spicy chicken sandwich there is top notch. And the fried fish, of course, is healthy because it's fish. So that's, that's what I'm told. Yeah. All right. So I'm unfamiliar with Susie's drive through. I know we've gone way long on this, but I can't get away from this because it is it is 
my siren song at this point. 847 says Susie's Drive-Thru. First of all, Rick, have you ever heard of Susie's Drive-Thru? I've not. It has cheese fries in a taco shell bowl, which means it's an edible plate. There are no bad words in that sentence. Okay, then. <laughs> we're we're going to take a break so we can Google Susie's Drive-Thru and yeah. we'll be there at 2.05. <laughs> take a break here. We come back. I have no idea. Thanks for listening, though. Saturday suckage and Saturday menu planning. Is there anything better to do on a Saturday than plan the menu along with the I'm Fat podcast? No, there is not. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. <laughs> it's funny because he's fat. <laughs> okay, I several things. As we went to break here, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. We just finished up with Jay Zawoski and Rick Camp. Rick Camp's still here. We had quite the discussion with the founders of the and voices of the I'm Fat podcast as we discussed Susie's 815 texter. Actually tweeted a slogan, Rick, for you guys. You had me at cheese fries. <laughs> and I have to say... That's right. You had me at cheese fries. Nailed it. Yeah, that's that's really that's really good. And um, a lot of positive feedback too on the <clears throat> excuse me the spicy chicken sandwich from Culver's. It's just hard. Like when a place sells something called butter burger, it's hard to get past having the butter burger. Right. And uh, but I guess if you, if you have volume. And going to like if you go there often, I guess you could probably pull that off. But I, I don't go there often enough to justify getting anything but something called a butter burger. Well, I mean, you could get the butter burger as your main part of the meal, and you could get the spicy chicken sandwich as your side. Ooh, not bad. Or you could use the spicy chicken sandwich as your appetizer and the triple <laughs> butter burger as your meal. By the way, the pretzel bites from there are awesome wow share with us why break it down for us well it has like a nice uh well it's got like some sort of like real light glaze i think on them but it's Mm -hmm. i'm like donut hole or tater tot maybe a little bigger than tater tot size pretzel bites it's a it's like a probably a two biter for most people uh one for me clearly but Mm -hmm. all and you just dip it in the cheddar cheese sauce and it's like the perfect consistency for the sauce where it's not going to just run off of the pretzel bite completely. And it's got the nice crust on the outside, but then super fluffy and light on the inside. Oh, it's, my God. Yeah, it's 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 like if you took the density out of a pretzel bun, but you get the you still get the little bit of crisp that a real high quality pretzel bun has. It is uh-huh. fantastic. A little yeah, doughy, the, little doughy in the middle, a little doughy. I like the doughy. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's pretty light, so you do get a little bit okay. of the dough, but it's not okay. like super dense doughy like a traditional pretzel roll. Okay. The the texture of the pretzel bowl, pretzel roll is is critical. Like you're talking about the crunch or the just enough bite or the whatever the resistance is that's critical to the whole thing. But it makes you want to eat those big, big, soft, usually warm pretzels would make that make an interesting sandwich bread wouldn't it have you ever done that i have not hmm. that's interesting i know stuff would fall through but 
that's where um, big cuts of meat come in. I don't know. It just I know you guys are all about neatness because you certainly look like you guys worry about stuff not dripping down your arms, your wrists and arms, and right down onto your shirts. But I don't think a, a beef sandwich is or a taco, a fried taco. I don't think either of those are worth anything if they don't drip down your arm. I think that's one of the criteria. That's my criteria anyways. Well, Steve, you you act, kind of accidentally said something that fascinated me. You started to it's usually yeah, accidental. accidentally said, yeah, well, you said pretzel bowl, and I don't think you meant to say that, but it, ever since you said that, I can't get my brain off of that concept. The, I mean, we do oh. bread bowls, but why not a pretzel bowl just for everything you eat? Put it in a pretzel bowl, and then you have, you know, a little. You could dip the pretzel bowl in butter or in mustard or whatever it is that you like on your pretzel. At All right, we're calling every... dibs. Is that how trademarks work? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right there. It's all you, buddy. That's it. The pretzel bowl, accidentally invented by Steve Rosenblum and brought to the light by me, Mark Grody, and passed on to the connoisseur, Rick Camp. Boom. Boom, boom. There you go, boom. Pretzel bowl dinner, there we go. I think we all became right. a team today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, there's reason to, I, I have reason anyways, to congratulate Ryan Pace. We'll talk about that next. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It's all good. Yeah, well, the food talk. We've had wonderful response here to the I'm Fat podcast discussion and riffing on whatever tangents it takes us. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Produced by Rick Camp. He took over for Trash Panda, who we have to get to. And we're at the top of the hour, we'll do What Are You Doing, Wagner? So you can get to Toby's. Toby had a response to Trash Panda, our producer for the first hour. Is that not is that happy? The way this is? Not, not happy, happy with wow. the, the track. Apparently, there was some phone interaction last week and some confusion and maybe even some um, censorship performed by. Oh. The trash panda. So I don't know. I don't know if you and I should be happy with the trash panda when, as you said correctly, we've only got like two callers and one of them was not allowed to be. In. I don't know. I don't know. I'll read the email <laughs> later. Anti bears <laughs> rhetoric. Is that what he's trying to censor? I I'm not quite sure where it is. We'll wait till after one o'clock to suss that out. But um, by the way, did I know Rick Rick Camp's uh, been sentenced to produce the last two hours of the show? And we have the What Are You Doing Wagner cut that will open up the top of the hour. And I were you alerted by Trash Panda that there is a breaking caller sounder in case somebody calls 312-644-6760? I don't know what number. I don't even know the number because nobody it. calls it. Yeah, is that it? 6767. You got right. it. Rick, are you aware there's a breaking caller sounder? Nope. Okay. Well, this show sucks. <laughs> we, All right. we we stress over communication at the score, but it doesn't actually happen. No, it's like Matt Nagy. We stress details, but nobody listens to them. Come on, people. This is my job. Be right. freaking detailed. Right. So congratulations to Ryan Pace. Bill O'Brien's firing as general manager of the Houston or, uh, Texans means that Pace is if he's not the worst GM going, then he's at least the first guy everyone calls. 
Every agent might call Minnesota's Rick Spielman after the Kirk Cousins disaster, but every GM has to call now with with Bill O'Brien's firing, has to call Ryan Pace first. I mean, you're not doing your job unless you call Ryan Pace first after all of the horrible deals he's made and after the way he's shown he knows nothing about choosing quarterbacks, from keeping Cutler to signing Glennon to trading everything for Trubisky to trading more for Foles. And now this comes on the heels of your coach saying, we don't know our details on this. So he also chose the coach. Ryan Pace, congratulations. You're number one on everyone's speed dial. That's the way it seems to me, Mark. He's a but popular you know what, guy. Stevie, Stevie Sunshine. Yeah, I, you got you got everybody on Glennon. However, I still want to know about all those other dumb GMs that didn't draft Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson as well, because they all they all made the boo boo as well. So you know, um, that's true. There are other people there, but none of them paid the price for Trubisky. See, that's what does it. Is that one thing to pass on a generational talent it's another thing to have your choice having an opportunity to pick a generational talent and choosing the worst of the three quarterbacks that were available at the second spot that you traded up one spot to be in that's what makes ryan pace such a sucker well you're i mean you should never have traded up to to get trubisky however it's not like Pace was thinking outside of the box on Trubisky. Tons of scouts, GMs, like Trubisky. He was a hot name for sure at the top of the draft. It's not like he wasn't in the mix for being the best out of that bunch from a lot of a lot of people. Um, I do have another question about, yep. you mentioned Bill O'Brien. This is an odd question, but does he, does he land another gig ever in the NFL, considering what the way what he did with and it seems like everybody lands another gig you know what i mean players coaches but was it so egregious what he what he did there that he doesn't I, get power again with an nfl team i i don't think he i don't think he's ever somebody's first choice as a head coach i don't think he's ever a head coach unless several people get fired i do think he he has shown he has value as maybe not a coordinator, but a position coach. Yeah. I think you start that whole chain, that whole string all over again, and you work up that, wherever, whether it's a ladder or whatever your your phone calls yield and whatever your connections yield. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a guy who immediately gets gets that that good gig because he's not. I mean, this is the guy who traded. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, we use the word egregious. We throw that word around a lot. I think in this case, egregious is not hyperbole. Like, there was egregious mistakes, man. And apparently he wasn't getting along well with the players that still existed on that roster. So, J.J. Watt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're burning bridges with big names. So, I don't know, maybe college. I mean, he obviously had success there at one point in time, and that's a place where you you can have power in every way. I mean, he's certainly not going to get the GM coach gig combo again in the NFL, but if he he needs that kind of power, he'd have to go back to college, I suppose. 
and they'll happily hand it to you. And and I could see that that happening because when he was coaching GM, he kind of acted like like he was. There was that college mentality. I'm I'm in charge. I'm in charge of everything. Do it my way. And and I think college coaches are are of all the coaches, I think they're the they're the worst. Not every college coach, but I think the profile of these guys have. I think that's why you see more 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 college coaches being coming out and sounding stupid, looking stupid. More college players are are probably testing pot. You have whole bigger numbers of team of players on a team testing positive because college coaches don't really care. They're just you're just meat on the hoof. You're just a a body and like, okay, here's a group. Let's see if we infect you. Will you not get infected again? Maybe you're immune for the whole system or for the whole season. There's no union. They take advantage of that. Dabo Sweeney, what what a disgusting person that is. That okay, I, I no union, no nothing. If if they ever get paid, then I'm never coming back again and all right, we'll just use free labor and you'll get nine million dollars. Dude, right. where are you without those players? Dude, where are you without those players? And without right. you, they go to another college and they play for somebody who might have some humanity about them. Anyways, I I I, I do think Bill O'Brien has a better shot at getting something in college because it would cater to that mentality. And he does have, like you said, he's got kind of a, a record, a profile. Of, um, he's got better references coming from college than certainly from the pros. Or is the texture at the top of the screen, if I can direct your attention there, Stevie Sunshine from the 309. This is great. Bill O'Brien would be awesome in Detroit. That, that does sound right. That does sound like something Detroit would do. It really does. Yeah, that's yeah, it does. Yeah, replace Matt Patricia with Bill O'Brien. That would be that's a very Lionsy yes, thing to do. Totally, totally. And give him all, right. all the power too. Let yeah. let him run the draft. Yep. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Detroit. Boom. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna take a take a break. When we come back, we're gonna do what are you doing, Wagner? We have a uh, a letter from Toby. We have a um, again. We're gonna call into the. Call into the breach the a member, our member of the I'm Fat podcast, as well as provide fodder perhaps or a discussion for the podcast. Let me put a list together. Hmm. I do I do have something there. Good. And and there was a sign in an Alabama University of Alabama elevator that I want to share and I'm gonna try to resist all forms of frat boy joking. I don't know if I will or not, but I want to share with the class. So that's what we're going to do with What Are You Doing, Wagner. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. We are here for your Saturday suckage entertainment and food criticism, and all of that will be coming up. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.